Hey everyone, welcome back to the Enduring Churches podcast. This is Trent. I'm here with Alan again today, and we really enjoy getting to do this podcast. We hope that it's a benefit to you. Um, Today, Alan, we're going to be talking about, as we've been thinking about, are there areas in our ministry and in our lives and our leadership that need to always be working to grow and improve? You know, it's easy to get in a rut or easy to say, hey, I've kind of mastered some main things and I can do my job weekly, right? Uh, But are there things that need to continue to grow? And and I know that you've got a list of some things that that uh, that we should be growing in. So tell us about those. Yeah, we've got a list today, Trent, of five things and five areas that we want to grow in. Now, one of them that we don't mention, and I think that goes without saying, is our spiritual development and growing in our relationship with Christ. We know that that's something we continue to grow in. But there are these areas that I think pastors need to be aware, church leaders need to be aware. There's things that happen that remind us we need to go further in this process. We never stop. So things are different today. I was even doing some research on leadership this week and just seeing how the change and the shifts have taken place in leadership. And we may not see that because a leader in 1980 is a leader, right? And a leader in 2023 is a leader. But there's different expectations and there's different ways and postures from which we lead. So we always need to be learning. We need to be up to date. We need to keep track of what's going on. So we've got this list of five things. We may miss something. You're welcome to reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Let us know what we miss in this process. But here's the five that we want to talk about today. So let's start with an an easy one. We always need to work on our people skills. Mm, Yeah, isn't that the truth, Alan? And Unfortunately, you know, I've seen guys go into ministry, whether they go directly in from a Bible college or whatever, or a seminary, and they've got incredible biblical study skills, Um, maybe even know how to parse all the languages and, and do all those things, but they never learn the people skills necessary to be able to lead a church. And that's, that's so different. And so I'm so glad you put this on the list that we do need to grow in our people skills. And I, one of the things you have on the list there is is having compassion and passion. So tell me what what's the difference there? Yeah, I was listening to a podcast with Patrick Lencioni, and if people have listened to us, they know we love his writing. Um, but he was talking about leading from a posture of both passion and compassion that sometimes you can be a passionate leader, but without compassion, you tend to steamroll over people and you really don't care who you hurt, where you're going. And if you are compassionate, but don't have any passion, you can just kind of get content with where you're at. So it's important for us to lead with both of those mindsets in place. And are we leading from a place of compassion and and passion? Because one of the things I feel happened to me over the course of years in ministry that I always had to step back from was this sense of where I would just get so frustrated with the lack of growth or the lack of where my people were. And if you're not careful, you become cynical. And when you're cynical, your people skills really diminish. Yeah, that is really good. And I, I've seen myself do that too, you know, you because that, that inner passion that you have and that inner vision the place you want to take your church to, your ministry to, it can be frustrating when it doesn't seem like anybody else is 
pushing and wanting to go that way or fall, you know, the old saying, if nobody's behind you, you're not a leader, right? Um, and and so it's, it can be frustrating because it's like, can't you people see that where we need to go, what we need to do, right? Uh, and so I love the, the juxtaposition of those two words, compassion and passion. That is really good. Yeah, and it's funny that, you know, compassion literally means with passion. And yeah. I think when we put that to it towards another person, it's really taking the passion, but directing it to them in a positive way is really what compassion is all about. And so I kind of had this other idea that that's how we challenge people through love. We really sometimes want to challenge people through guilt, challenge people through anger, challenge people through, through that frustration. But the right way to challenge is to challenge them by loving them. And, you know, as you say that, I'm just picturing Jesus doing this, not only with the disciples, but everyone he came in contact with. You know, he, he did challenge them. He, he loved them. And he was, you know, the scripture that says he set his face, you know, firmly toward Jerusalem or whatever. You know, he had a, a vision. He knew exactly what he needed to do. But he was willing to walk and talk with people and and meet them where they were. And, and so that's what we are called to do as leaders in our ministry is to, you know, bring those people along with us and our time frame may be running full steam, but our church may not be ready to do that. So we have to be able to meet them where they are and then love them enough to push them with as much as they can handle it. So people skills, we always need to grow in this area. And if you're more introverted, it probably takes more effort, more work than it does for someone who is an extroverted personality. But here's one where that flip flops your organizational awareness. So what's going on in your church? And then how do things get done in your church? Those are kind of two, two thoughts here. What do you think about organizational awareness, Trent? Mm, yeah, that just being cognizant of, you know, where is your church, you know, the, the, the whole staff or your, your people in your church, what, what's happening in there? You know, what is their mindset? Um, are they able to handle the things that you're going toward? Uh, and, and, you know, as I was, as you're saying that too, we've been talking about that some of your people are going to be really good with details. Like you said, some people who are more introverted are going to be, this is going to be right up their alley and they're going to be looking at the details, but other people like me, <laughs> I'm not a detail guy. I'm just going to tell you. And so I struggle with that. And so I need to be, I'd have to work toward this and constantly have to do that. Yeah. And you want to think about what's going on in your church, especially in those first five or six years when you're a pastor, uh, you're not the one who naturally setting the tone. There's probably someone else who sets that tone. You have to be there for a period of time before you're actually setting the tone. So are you aware of, of who's setting the tone and, and those kind of things that are going on? Organizational awareness to know where your church is. If you're a church plant, you might be on this rising side of things. Are you a church in decline? You know, your church used to run 500. You run 123 now. You know, where are you in this process? So, you know, What's your health level? Is your church healthy? Are you involved in missions? Are you seeing lives changed? I mean, there's just so many questions that go into organizational awareness. And no one should know more about the health and overall 
organization of your church than the pastor. Well, and there's lots of things you can do to be taking that temperature of your congregation in those different areas. And that's asking those questions that you just mentioned, Alan. And there's lots of questions to do, but, and, and we should be asking questions so that we find out. And, and you, what you said about being there your first few years is absolutely right. You're probably not the one who is setting the tone uh, setting the speed of your church either. You know, it's it's a big boat. It takes a while to turn. And there's going to be probably other leaders. Uh, maybe it's a deacon or, or somebody in your church that's been there a long time that people really respect um, and they listen to. And finding out those people and coming alongside them, setting down with them and hearing their story and what their thoughts are. And keeping them in mind when you want to make a change, you bring them alongside and, and, you know, visit with them first so that they're part of your team. Yeah, we're going to come back to the end of our conversation. We'll give you just a, a glimpse of what's to come. You know, the last one we're going to talk about today is communication, and we'll come back to that. But that's what you're talking about here. If we're not having communication with people, we're going to be organizationally unaware. Awareness takes communication. So when we're thinking about those things, how healthy is our organization? If you're not talking with people, if you're isolating yourself from your congregation, and there is a tendency for some pastors to do that, that they like, we like the study part so much and we like the preaching part so much that we're really not taking the temperature of how healthy is the discipleship, what's going on in our small groups, all those other things, we can lose sight of those things. So organizational awareness is an area where we constantly need to be growing. We constantly need to be understanding what's going on because just as in the first few years, you're not setting the tone. If you've been there a while, you are the tone setter. And is that a healthy tone? You need to look mm -hmm. and see where they, because the church probably has your problems now. So how are you going to move beyond your own problems? So there's a lot to think about with that. You're right. And so let's, um, let's, Talk about the next area is thinking about church trends and church history. You know, this, I, I picture this of being not only looking at your church, but also being aware of church as a whole, the, the ecclesia, the, the larger group, right? And, um, and in our culture, you know, how is church perceived? And then in your church, how is, you know, their ministry perceived? That's really good. I think when you take that from a holistic viewpoint like that, and that's kind of what we're talking about. So church trends is kind of where, where are we going? Church histories, what can we learn from in this process? So do you have a favorite of those? I mean, are you more like, I like to look and see where we've been, or do you really like to spend more time thinking about where we're going? Well, to be honest, I my first, you know, my first thought is always church trends. But over the years, I think God has taught me a lot to go back and honor and listen to people who can teach me about the church history. Um, because of that, I'm able to understand how we can move forward in the church trends area. Yeah, I like to say that I, I like to pay attention to trends, and I feel like I'm pretty good with that. Truth be known, I can give you a pretty good breakdown of, of history of churches you know, especially in Southern Baptist circles, watching the rise of the, what we call the church growth movement, you know, that kind of began with a million more in 54. Mm -hmm. and, 
you can watch this kind of growth and this cultural phenomenon of mega churches and you know parachurch movements and all of those things but we've also kind of seen the collapse and fall of those things and how do we respond to that so history is really important because it becomes a good teacher and it also reveals some truth about us and it shows us a little bit about who we are and i think one of the things that's happened is we've seen a leadership breakdown in what we created that's why one of the reasons we have so many leaders who have quote fallen from grace is because of our history shows us that if you isolate power all in one person and they have all this control and all this authority that's an awful lot to try to stand under that pressure and we need to spread that out a whole lot more to be healthy churches yeah, but the issue, Alan, is that in our churches, we're multi-generational for the most part, unless you're a new church plant. Um, you're multi-generational and you still have those people that are expecting that one person to be the guy, the man that does all the decision making. But then you've got the younger generations that they don't want that at all and they don't expect that. And it's it's like a, a balancing act, you know, and how do you work within that? you know, those multi sets. And I think that's where the trends come into play, right? Because mm -hmm. trends going, well, where are people being successful with that? How are people being successful? And the idea was never that we duplicate what someone else is doing. Uh, someone was talking this week about how um, in small churches, you know, worship is a wild card. It could be contemporary, it could be traditional, it could be any measure in between. Um, but if you go into a mega church, for instance, they all sound the same mm -hmm. in many cases. And why is that? Because duplication is easy, but, but taking something and really catering it for who you really are is truly a unique experience. And I think that's kind of where we're at. We're at this thing of where the trend I think is, is to recognize your own individual circumstances and really being able to tailor make your identity to fit you. And I think that's really important. That's, that's an important trend that's going on and we pay attention to that. But the trends help us move through, move from one point of history to a new point in history. And there'll be others in the future. We won't ever get it all right here in the, in the right now. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we still live in a fall. Yeah. Yeah, we live in a fallen world, right? Um, uh, and, you know, that's a lot of the programming that comes out, Alan, is still focused and, and aimed at the larger church setting. And I think it's going to have to more and more be set to where, you know, it can be changed. And it's, and it's going to have to be, you know, easily adaptable to that small church because the younger generations, they don't want to be the cookie cutter they want to be able to do their own thing. And so that's, it's gonna be a challenge. There's always a challenge. That's what history has taught us. There's that's always right. a new challenge that we're gonna be facing. So um, the next one, Trent, we wanna talk about is your own internal workings. Now, this is an area you and I, for some reason, we find a lot of sick enjoyment about figuring out um, probably where we're so messed up. Maybe not. <laughs> We, we just like to know how messed up we really are. So we, we, we go to a lot of assessments. We enjoy looking at assessments and saying, yeah, I'm not good with details. I'm, you know, all those kinds of things. But right. we really always need to be a student of our own life. 
Yeah, I agree, Alan. And and being aware of yourself, this is, you know, so we've been moving from organizational awareness, church, and the awareness of the church as a whole, the greater church, now moving kind of diving deep into ourselves about our own self. And because, you know, it's the physician heal thyself kind of thing, you know, we've got to be able to know ourselves and what things we need to be working on and the way that we work well or work best um alan and i we've done several podcasts talking about this one of our most popular one alan tell remind me what it was about the enneagram yes let's listen to episode where we were kind of breaking it down and i know there's some people out there who believe it's a demonic tool and this and that because if you draw the diagram and connect the dots it makes it look like a star that's that's kind of a silly argument it's just a tool that's all it is it's it's a personality tool you can take it or leave it there's a million of them there's some i don't like and that's okay but you want to find tools that can help you understand yourself so anytime we can learn more about ourselves i think there's a benefit to that so learn learn about who you are um, we call it uh, in many ways emotional intelligence know yourself so you can know others and that is a, a important role of our leadership but we are not stagnant people we change over time we have circumstances in life that changes so you have a a major illness or you you lose a loved one or other events can change you and are you aware of those changes that are going on as well as seasons of life you know mm -hmm. i was out, out just playing with my dog the other day and i'm thinking i used to be a lot faster than this why am i so <laughs> Oh well, I'm I'm not as young as I once was, so I'm 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 not going to be faster than I am now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so that emotional intelligence, understanding where you are, and that helps you though to appreciate and um, communicate with other people. Uh, the more that you know yourself, emotional intelligence really helps you to um, read other people and to lead other people. Uh, I think that's so important that you, the more you know yourself and the way you function well, it also helps you to have that emotional intelligence to be able to read how other people are dealing with what's going on in your church, um, conversations you're having, just being able to see how people are re <coughs> reacting. But then, <coughs> I'm sorry, go ahead, Alan. Well, I was going to just add that you know, Patrick Lencioni has the working genius tools, which is not about personality, but it's about how to work. Um, you know, you can go and look at predictable success and that's Ian McEwen and you can kind of learn, you know, are you more of a visionary or do you do better with operations or with processes or do you really put those things together? There are a multitude of tools today to help you know yourself better so that you can set yourself up for greater success going forward. Well, and again, that's what we're talking about today, right? Those areas that we need to continually be working on. Um, the next part of that, our own internal workings part is, is our spiritual development. Um, and, you know, this can be, we're not always the same on this section either because um, a change in circumstance like Alan was talking about the different things that can happen in our lives a loss of a loved one a change of ministry position can really affect this um you know as you move to a position and you may have had great success and felt like you're really strong spiritually but then you move to an area where it's you feel like you're fighting a battle and 
uh, playing golf with a dead guy, right? You know, hit the ball, drag, drag Allen or whatever. You know, it's it's you know those things affect you, and so you need to constantly be aware and working on your spiritual development as well. Yeah, you and I both experienced that. One of the things that I found to be the biggest challenge when I switched roles from being a, a pastor to being in this role where I'm working with churches is getting into a flow and a rhythm um, with with my life because I had a flow and a rhythm. Every every week was somewhat predictable. There were always interruptions and things like that. But you know, forty out of fifty two weeks was extremely predictable and this role is not like that because every day can be quite different from another day so getting into a flow has been a much greater challenge and that's changed my spiritual my spiritual program so to speak so we're always undergoing changes and you need to be aware of those changes that are going on in your life so you know you're right Trent we talked about you know people skill organizational skills church trends and history those are kind of external things your own internal workings of course internal and then there's one that kind of bridges them together this is what brings them together and one of the things that frustrates me is that so many church leaders stop working on the area of communication yeah and so when you say that alan i i'm thinking interpersonal communication not just preaching you know not just speaking to a large group or whatever um if you're a a pastor being able to preach or a leader in some other ministry but this is the one-on-one -on -one communication in my mind is that what you're thinking well i think that's part of it but i think it goes beyond i think it's also how do we communicate with the church i mean how many churches weren't ready to go online when COVID hit so we had to change the way we communicated it was one of the biggest and most important changes we've ever seen in in our recent history was that churches got an online presence. And while it may not be something that we want to drive, we don't want our online presence to steer the ship, people are checking us out before they check us out now. Mm -hmm. And we know that that's true. If they can't watch you online before they come visit, they're probably not gonna come visit. So that's an important part. But I do think that when it comes down to communication, the biggest thing we need to do is how do we communicate better from person to person right and so that helps us in in conflicts right um, nobody likes conflicts but there are healthy ways to deal with it and if you're able to communicate well person to person one-on-one -on -one, then you can resolve conflict in a much healthier way and then that helps you in the greater sense with your church um, being able to communicate if there's a if there's tension in your church if there's conflict happening in your church being able to communicate you know first of all to the people that you know having the meeting before the meetings what i like to call it and you you've got to have those individual meetings before you can talk to the larger group and so i man this is so important as alan has said it is really really important to be able to communicate well and remember God gave you two ears, one mouth. You should use those in the same percentages, right? Listening twice as much as you speak. Yeah, you know, church leader had a report last week that, you know, over 50% of pastors are considering leaving the ministry. 
And the second, the second biggest reason was conflict. Why is conflict now such a big reason that people want to leave ministry? Because there's a lot of conflict in the post-COVID world with elections and vaccinations and all these kinds of things. There's more conflict within our churches than we've ever had. And pastors are, are not really equipping themselves to know how to deal with the conflict. And conflict is mostly a matter of communication. Um, you have those conversations. I have those conversations. We run into pastors who are who are sensing or feeling conflict within and and with church leaders. But learning how to deal with conflict is a part of of life. You have to deal with conflict in marriage. Trent, you and Dana do a lot of of uh, premarital counseling. How how are you going to deal with conflict? Because you're going to have conflict. So it's really important that for us to develop a toolbox and continually grow that toolbox so that we have effective communication tools. Yeah. And, you know, as just thinking about that, why is it that conflict is such an issue and why are so many pastors leaving? Um, you know, our culture as a whole in, in the United States, anxiety is through the roof and the largest prescription amount of money that is spent is on anti-anxiety drugs. And, and so that is the largest group that is growing. And so our pastors are part of that, right? They're part of that same culture. Evidently, we did not learn as young people how to deal with, with conflict because our parents were trying to protect us. We had a whole lot of those helicopter parents trying to, oh, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. No, it's not. We, we learn through the hard things. And so um, don't run away from conflict because you're never going to learn that way. And it's going to continue to be something that brings anxiety. And you'll, and that's what's happening, Alan. I really feel like this is when pastors are wanting to leave, it's because they, that's all they know. If something's going wrong, well, I got to leave. Uh, instead of staying there, you and I went through this. We stayed at our churches. We had conflict. We were there for like 13, 14 years. And the first I mean, at first I thought we moved straight into hell, you know, because we we're dealing with conflict. But we have to do that. You've got to do that and stay there and learn how to deal with and move things forward. Hey, you, you said that key phrase, we have to learn. And that, that deals with the openness with communication as well. One of the things that in doing a podcast, you and I have to be mindful of is our willingness to come back sometimes, listen to ourselves and recognize that maybe uh, we still have some areas of growth in our own communication ability, our own communication skills. And hopefully we're better podcasters today than we were when we started. I <laughs> hope so. We could say I that. So. Absolutely. But um, yeah. Yeah, we, we need to be open. And I think that's too open to new tools, um, to new strategies, to new ideas in communication. We need to listen and keep our ear to the ground in that way. Yeah. And, you know, that openness, and as we learn, and we learn the hard way, right? At least I do. I'm, I'm like a slab-sided mule. I got to be hit upside the head with a two before to learn. But um, that will eventually lead to some times of encouragement because you're, you are growing. And the more that you do that self-assessment, you're growing in all these areas. Not only are you able to help others see the positives, but you're able to see, hopefully, some of the positives in your own life. And, uh, you know, 
not just always negative, uh, which is a tendency of all of us. We uh, we all tend toward the negative. It's easy to hear you can when you have conversations with people. They're always going to tend toward the negative. Um, but the more we grow and we're aware of our growth, and that moves towards encouragement for ourselves, and we can help encourage others too. Yeah, we want this statement to be true. You know, we've heard the statement that broken people hurt people. That's yeah. that's what happens. But I want this statement to be true. Encouraged people encourage people. And when we are encouraged and we feel like we are doing everything we can do to communicate and that we are staying on top of, of our ability to have honest, open communication with people, it's going to encourage others to do the same. And mm -hmm. If I can show openness in communication, and I try to do would try to do that from the pulpit even, I'm open for God to communicate with me, and I would hope that that would encourage others to allow God to be open to communicate with them. And the same would be true in the interpersonal relationship. And so we want encouraged people to become encouragers of people. Right, and that takes growth. Uh, you know, today we're talking about those things that, those skills that we should be developing all the time, and and that means that we're growing in all those. And you know, you don't just you know come out of the womb being an encourager. We all have a sinful nature, right? And so we're going to be negative. But the more we grow, and the more we grow closer to the Lord, then we become. Ability, we have the ability to encourage other people. So that's five areas of growth. We want you to try to remember these and put these in your life and really think about how am I growing in my people skills? How am I growing in my organizational awareness? Um, what do I know about church trends and church history? Um, what do I know about my own internal workings and how am I growing as a communicator? So those are five areas you can continue to grow in. I know we could have said more, um, but we're going to stop so you can think on those things. And again, if we miss something, we'd love for you to reach out to us. Um, we are grateful for you and that you take time to listen to us. If you would do something, leave us a review. Let us know how much you appreciate the show. And also share this with someone else. We are really trying to get a lot of downloads before the year's up. We want to just see our podcast grow. So if you'd share this, that'd be very meaningful to us. But we hope you have a great week and we look forward to catching you on our next episode of the Enduring Churches podcast.